You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. It's been on my mind uh, the last few weeks about, about outreach, about, um, you, you could call it whatever you want to call it, soul winning, door knocking, um, evangelism, witnessing, all of those words apply, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, especially with just the way things are going in our country, it's just been on my heart, especially about the need for people to meet Jesus Christ. And uh, years ago, as a youth pastor, I had the desire to help young people do that. I, I as a youth pastor, really felt strongly that our young people, the next generation, should be equipped with the gospel um, because you never know what they're going to face. I mean, I, I remember going to school, uh, high school in the 90s, and uh, boy, I thought that was really cutting edge, walking the line, but I can't imagine walking the halls of a public school in our culture today. I mean, where, where things are today. And so I've always had a heart for young people, and, 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 I, and I learned how to present the gospel and and uh, yet there were times where I would present the gospel and door knocking and, and talking with people and trying to witness to them that I, I wasn't really content with how, how I dealt with it, how I, how I utilized it or how I presented it maybe is the right word. I felt like it was missing something. And maybe you've been there before where, where you have talked to people about salvation and maybe even led someone to pray, but weren't sure the conviction was all that real while you talked to them. And, and I, I, for one, am not content to just have somebody uh, pray a quick prayer for, for numbers' sake. Not really interested in, in that. I don't want to give someone false hope and want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work through the Word. And, and so I, I was looking for ways to kind of help our young people. And, and then I, as I was looking, found some good material in a book called The Way of the Master and and actually, had somebody talked to me about this just recently, but a man named Ray Comfort is an evangelist from New Zealand. He's not just like us, uh, um, doctrinally speaking, but he does a masterful job presenting the gospel in a clear way, in a convicting way. And, um, and, and so I kind of took some of that material then and started teaching it to our young people. And, and the reason he titled his book, The Way of the Master, is because he patterns his approach to the gospel um, after what Jesus did in John chapter 4. And so I think that's a pretty good, if you're going to present the gospel, and if you're going to talk to a lost soul about their condition, um, following the pattern of Jesus is probably not a bad idea. Uh, we're to be like Jesus in every way. And, and in this one, uh, obviously, we should strive for it in this area too. And and I was thinking, you know, if, if I could go on visitation with any person, if I could go on visitation with one person, who would it be? And I would say, well, probably Jesus. So tonight I, I call, call on this visitation with Jesus. Have you ever been the silent partner on a visit? I have many times. And, and, and you're just observing and, and you're trying to, you know, maybe keep the kids in line and keep the dog from jumping on somebody or you know, turning the TV off, you know, those kinds of things. You're just in the background. I mean, I would love to just go make some visits with Jesus Christ just to see how he, how he talks to people. I used to love to do that with my pastor as a young staff member. I just love to go on visits with him 
and hear how he'd explain things. And I'd just be like, man, I wish I would have thought to say it that way. And it's just a, it's a help. And, and so here's Jesus Christ. We get a glimpse in John 4 of the way that he presents some of these thoughts to, to witness to this Samaritan woman at the well. And, and you, you're familiar with this story, many of you are. And, but after reading Ray Comfort's material, the way he used John 4 it really resonated with me. And so I kind of used his pattern then to teach our young people how to present the gospel in a clear way. And, and tonight I'd like to go through some of that. And I, I know this is different. It's not uh, a normal uh, preaching service or message that you might come to expect. But, but I think it's, it's just as important and just as helpful sometimes to have, I mean, many places call it a Wednesday night Bible study. And, and I, don't, I think it's a good idea for us to just stop and get practical every once in a while and go through some ideas of how to improve in some areas. And this is one that I have a heart for, especially considering the fact that in a week and a half, we'll resume our, our outreach efforts and, and be knocking on doors and, and trying to win people or, or at least invite them to church. And if, the God, if God gives you an opportunity to present the gospel, uh, we ought to be ready for that. We ought to be ready to convey some of these truths. And so uh, I believe Brother Samuel, even right now, is taking some of this material and digging the young people through it on Saturday morning. So if, if it's redundant, young people, it's probably not a bad thing to hear it again. And it probably help you learn it maybe even a little bit more. But before we jump into John 4, I just want to answer the question, why do we need this? And you might say, well, this is really obvious. I know the answer. Well, it was obvious to me as well, but let me give you some reasons why we need this kind of study. Well, number one, have you, have you been paying attention to our culture? Have you seen what's going on? Have you seen the condition of our nation? Have you seen how far we've sunk morally um, just in the last 15 years or so? And if you weren't sure of our condition, the last couple of years have made it clear. And even just this week has made it very clear. With the leak of the, the, the Supreme Court's decision on... Roe v. Wade, and which, by the way, I'm thankful that there are those, whether or not they're saved, that, that have at least some kind of a moral bearing in that part of our government. Um, and I don't know where their, their, their condition is, uh, spiritually speaking, um, but it's incredible to me that we're even having these arguments about the, the life of a child. You know, the acceptance of sinful lifestyles and gender questions and redefinitions and the entitled mentality that says if you don't get your way, you just need to burn something down and cancel culture and the, the woke uh, extreme ideologies and the in-your-face flaunting of open sin and, and what they're trying to teach children in our public schools and, and the acceptance of these things as normal from the schoolhouse to the White House. It really is just a mess. The world needs Jesus Christ. And the culture is passionate about their messages. And they are, they, are, they are in no way holding back from telling us their messages. And, and speaking out and being passionate. And I'm just wondering where are God's people and where is God's message? The, even this week, so many people are outraged about Roe v. Wade and protecting. And I'm just thinking, you know, how is this even an argument? It, it's a clear indicator of where we are. Why do we need this? Well, have you seen our culture? Have you, have you read the Great Commission? Because the Great Commission is absolutely clear that evangelism is not optional. 
And it's, not, it's an authoritative command given directly by Jesus for his disciples to fulfill through their local church. It's not just for pastors and staff. It's for every member that says, I want to be a disciple. And if you have that label on your life, which if you're a saved child of God, uh, you, you may not have, uh, have it all together. But your goal, the most important label in your life is disciple. To be like Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is for disciples, it's for churches, it's for us. And if you've read the Great Commission, then you know Jesus Christ has promised his power, he's given a clear command, and he intends to bless those who engage in the Great Commission. Well, why do we need this? Well, do you remember what Jesus spent his life doing? He spent his life telling others the message of the Father. He came preaching repentance, he came... Um, uh, and then John the Baptist paved the way for him, and they, but he came doing the will of his father. He came representing the message of heaven and, and uh, becoming mess- heaven's, even, heaven's sacrifice. He fulfilled the message he was preaching. His life was lived in order to die on a cross and make salvation possible. And as we follow in his steps, then our responsibility is to die to self and exalt the message of the cross so that salvation is possible to those who have not heard its message or you have yet to receive it. Uh, why is this needed? Well, have you benefited from the gospel? Where would you be without Jesus Christ? Where would you be tonight if, if there hadn't been somebody, a, a soul winner or a dad or a mom or a preacher or a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher or somebody that looked at you and said, you need the gospel. I want to give it to you. Where would you be? I mean, some of us, uh, some of you came from a, a very difficult background and I just can't imagine. I mean, where would you be if, if God hadn't really intervened in your life and showed you mercy and sent somebody your way to tell you about Jesus? If you stop and think about what happened to you at salvation and the change that has been made. And can you imagine then knowing something like that and not having enough compassion to tell somebody else? We need reminders about engaging in the Great Commission because our lives were changed by somebody telling us the message of the Great Commission. Our love for God and what he's done uh, should produce in us a love for God and for other people to hear what we've heard. Witnessing is called by many names. It's soul winning and visitation, evangelism and and door knocking. And I, I often use the term outreach because... You know, not all the efforts we make in reaching people look the same. And outreach encompasses anything you do outside these walls. If it's door knocking or it's soul winning or evangelism, whatever you call it, somebody that to reach somebody that to this point has been unreached, it's, it's outreach. It can be accomplished in many ways. It can be accomplished by just inviting somebody to church. And that's the, if you're a disciple, that's the bare minimum. Anybody can carry our east side tracks and hand out a track and invite somebody to church. And, and I know so for some of you, that's a big step of faith. Um, but, but really, that's the bare minimum is to invite somebody. And, and that's, that's outreach for some. That's, that's the most comfortable you're going to be. And I, I understand that. I mean, it's not necessarily soul winning or, or as in giving the gospel, but it's important. And I would venture to say that most of us, um, we can be engaged on that level. We can be involved in outreach and inviting somebody, but outreach can also, it, it, it can be also blitzing and, 
and putting tracks on doors, and that's, that's outreach. It may be involved in, in uh, knocking on new doors and going up to a door, which is what we're going to do on Saturday mornings. And you say, well, I thought we were just going to put tracks on doors. Well, no, we need, I think it's good to engage people. And to knock on a door and face-to-face look somebody in the eyes and say, I'm from Eastside. And we'd love to have you come to church. And if the conversation goes beyond that, great. You know, that there are people, whether or not we, we think this, there are people that are looking for something in life beyond what they have. And you look at our neighborhood and you look at these new roads and these new houses and these new apartments and everything going in all around us. There are people in transition moving into these places and they have yet to set up their schedules. They have yet to establish their new lives. And if we can get in and and invite them to church in their neighborhood before they get entrenched in their schedule, uh, who knows that they might actually fit Eastside into their new schedule. And we, we have some even right now that have been coming on Sunday mornings because they live in this neighborhood. And there are plenty more, plenty more where that came from. And, and so maybe just knocking on a door and giving somebody a friendly smile and meeting them, it could also, outreach can be giving the gospel. And there are people that are gifted at seeing somebody or seeing a group of people in the park or seeing a person and engaging in a conversation that turns into a presentation of the gospel. Uh, we all ought to be better at that. You know, door knocking and, and soul winning and outreach doesn't always look the same. I mean, even right here in John 4, um, this is Jesus at a well. And he's not knocking on somebody's door. He's engaging where, he, where he's at. And disciples do these kinds of things. Listen, organized visitation is not a, just a program. It's a heart that we all need. It's a heart to find those that need a church and those that need Jesus Christ and and, and we, I know soul winning might be the end of that. That's what we pray for. But I'm more interested in effort than I am results. Meaning it can be easy to feel the pressure for the results to the point that you might change the way that you present it just to get a result. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for faithfulness in effort. And you know what? Any of us can do that. Any of us can be faithful in some effort. It, and, and so, really, it's just a matter of being obedient to the effort. It's not a contest. We're not looking for the ones that have the most results. We're not going to announce the prize at the end of the year. No, we're just going to say, let's be faithful. Every member, every week, take personal responsibility to engage in evangelism and outreach on some level or another. So how did Jesus do it? Well, I, I believe that's a pretty safe place to start. To recognize the approach of the Lord while he was witnessing to the woman at the well. This is a fine example here. But let me again remind you, it doesn't play, take place at a doorstep. It, it takes place in, the, in, in public. It takes place in a public place. And sometimes I think it'd be good for, for us to think outside the box a little bit. I mean, on, if you've ever driven around uh, even parks on Saturday nights in Sioux Falls, and I mean, they're just full of people. In the summer especially, I mean, of course not in January, but in the summer, full of people. And, you know, maybe I, th- I think sometimes, you know, we go knock on doors and think that's what it looks like. Um, but man, if we could go engage people at the park... It probably wouldn't hurt if you could shoot a basketball. I'm just telling you, like, they're everywhere. People are everywhere. 
And it's just less a program and it's more about a heart. But I want to look at what Jesus does here. And, and four principles here that he followed in this conversation. And I don't intend to do all four of them tonight because really it could, it could uh, stretch on and on. Um, and, I, and I don't want to just rush through it. But we can spend a lot of times on the, uh, time on these. I'm going to give you an overview of these four principles that Jesus Christ shows us in, in his, his approach to this conversation. And then we'll try to get through some of these tonight and then finish them a different time. But there are four things that I, that I see that, that Ray Comfort really is the one that, that came up with these, but they're very valid. Four principles in confronting a lost person about their condition. You've got these four words. You've got relate, create, convict, and reveal. Relate. And relate would be that you're relating to somebody, having a conversation. Create would mean that you're creating an opportunity to turn the conversation to spiritual things. Convict would mean that you then take that opportunity to talk about spiritual things to confront them about their sin. Convict. Which, by the way, that, that's a necessary part in presenting the gospel. And then finally, reveal is to reveal that Jesus Christ is Savior and there's hope. Relate, create, convict, and reveal. And I'd like to look at some of these, a couple of these here tonight. Let's, let's begin reading in verse 1. John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now, you probably uh, understand this, maybe the dynamic here, and that um, if they're going to leave Judea and go to Galilee, you have to, the shortest distance between those two is to go directly through Samaria, but, mo- the, but good Jews uh, wouldn't travel through Samaria because they viewed the Samaritans as what they would, might consider them um, spiritual uh, half-breed is what they would literally consider them to be and that the Samaritans, they had their roots in, in, as Jews, but, but through the years they had intermarried and, and, inter, and intermixed with those that are, were, were pagan and non-Jewish. And so their religion was a mixture of the law of Moses, but then also pagan superstitions and, and those things. And so the Jews and the Samaritans did, had very little dealing with each other. And so typically, uh, this group of, of Jewish men would go all the way around. They'd, they'd cross the river, go north, and come back over and go uh, to where they were headed. And, and yet Jesus Christ said, I must needs go through Samaria on purpose. And so uh, this isn't part of it necessarily, but if you're going to reach people, uh, you're not going to accidentally reach somebody. I mean, there may be times that God just brings somebody in and, and they're ready and they, uh, what must I do to be saved? It doesn't happen very often. It could. But for the most part, you've got to come out on Saturday morning. For the most part, you've got to decide I'm going to go into the park and, or I'm going to go to this place and witness to somebody. You, mu- you have to say like, Jesus, I must needs go through the park. I must needs go to the gym. I must needs go uh, to the neighborhood and knock on doors. I'm, I've got to do this on purpose. And is it desirable? For most people, it's not. And yet Jesus had a heart to reach people to the point that he said, no, I must needs. This is, ne- this is a necessity for me to go through this way and, because he knew there was a divine appointment waiting. 
He knew that there was this woman that he was going to meet and he comes to this well that was in the ancient uh, city of Shechem and we, we just came through Genesis 34 um, and this would be where, where those events in Genesis 33 and 34 took place a couple Sundays ago and, and they call it Jacob's well because uh, it was his land that he bought from Hamor a couple weeks ago. We talked about that and gave it to Joseph as an inheritance but Jesus comes at the heat of the day. He came, he came at noon so he would have been very thirsty he would have been tired. He would have come for a rest. He comes to this city and, and he goes to this well. And, and there comes a woman in verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. You know, I, think about that. He asked for water. In other words, uh, he starts with something that is relatable to her. She understands. She's come out to draw water. Now, now it's interesting, and you've probably heard this background as well, but when this woman comes to draw water, probably is an indicator of the kind of person that she was. For the most part, uh, if you go to draw water at a well, the women would come. They'd go in a group because that's what women do. They travel in groups, okay, typically. But they, they would come in a group in the, in the early part of the day rather than in the heat of the day. The fact that she's coming at noon is some kind of an indication of her position in society. And we don't know all about her, but we know that her reputation wasn't all that great. So chances are she's some kind of a social outcast, potentially. She's coming to draw water by herself. And by the way, Jesus is going to Samaria. And even in Samaria, he's not, in Samaria, he's not going to meet uh, the, the, the governmental leaders and those that are respected. No, he's willing to go to the places uh, where nobody else is talking to this lady. And if you think, well, you know, we're only going to go to certain neighborhoods when we go door knocking. No, we're going to go to every neighborhood when it's in Sioux Falls. And you think, how bad can a neighborhood in Sioux Falls be? Well, there are some that can be rough. There's some along Cleveland that if you've ever been through there, there I mean, there, there's usually red and blue lights flashing at night around there somewhere. Because it's a rough area. Well, we're not going to prevent or, or avoid those areas just because of of, of who might live there. No, I mean, Jesus Christ went to Samaria and he was talking to those that somebody might consider to be a social outcast. Every soul matters to God. Everybody needs Jesus Christ. And maybe this person all the more. And he comes and he relates to her though. He asks her for water. And it's a mark of good communication to establish something you can relate with before you move forward in a conversation. Have you ever met somebody that's just all business? And every time, you know, you might see him again at church and, and, and they're not saying, hey, how's your week going? They're, um, you know, they're like, hey, can you do the offering again tonight? You know, I mean, it's just, okay, all right, buddy, intense. Usher, here. Well, you know, sometimes you've got to relate to people. You start with relating. He, he starts with, with, with water and asks for water. And he doesn't come and say, have you crucified your old man with, and, and so that you can be better in Jesus Christ? Uh, no, he, he's not giving jargon. He talks about water. He's relating to her. And so we ought to be careful when we talk to people about just jumping in with spiritual jargon. Because the chances are they've not heard the spiritual jargon. 
They don't, they don't know the terminology. They don't know the lingo. They don't know our Christian language. And uh, so speaking first about water, it allowed him to move to something more spiritual. But he first related to her and even then uses the subject of water as an illustration later. You say, well, why is this important? Why does it matter? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, the, ma- the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So you don't just immediately throw out all this spiritual jargon. And, and if you're going to capture somebody, and, and I mean that in a good way, that you're going to get their attention and be able to talk to them and converse with them. Jesus related to, to, the, to the woman, this woman at the well. Relating to people is one of the, those important factors if you're going to be a good witness. Be relational, not robotic. Uh, Be aware of your appearance when you walk up to somebody. Be aware of your countenance. You represent Jesus Christ. You know, consider your modesty and consider your neatness and your distinction and your appropriateness. And, And by the way, the world needs to see distinction in this culture. I mean, there's a there's a blending of the genders. And, and there are people that, you know, they say there's no difference anymore. Where are people going to see the distinction between male and female, between masculine and feminine, if not from God's people? No one else is going to be conveying that. It's good for us to think about that. That if they're going to see distinction between the genders, they ought to see it from people that go to Eastside Baptist Church. And there ought to be some distinction there. And the, you know, the, the physical doesn't matter as much as the spiritual. And for those of you saying, well, God looks on the heart. Well, he does, but that doesn't mean that the physical doesn't matter at all. You have to consider the small things that will help you relate. I mean, carry some breath mints. Have good manners. Some people don't like it when you walk on their grass. I mean, I, so I, I mean, you've got to think about those things. These are ways to help you relate. You uh, Be nice, be personal, be aware of personal space. I mean, especially with COVID, I mean, don't lean in too far, you know? Practice a good introduction. Walk up to somebody. And, and walking up means you know what you're going to say before you get up there. And I used to go visiting with somebody and early on and we, were, we would go bus visiting on Saturdays and before he really got good at it, you know, his, he would walk up and, and he was just really on a mission. And he'd walk up to the house, knock on the door, they open the door and he's like, we're just out looking for kids. I'd be like, hey, well, hold on. You be careful. <laughs> it's like, you should, you should start with, hi, I'm, my name's Jason and this is my friend and and we're, we have a bus route in this area. And we were just wondering if you have any children you think would like to ride the bus on Sundays. It's like, well, settle down, buddy. <laughs> you know? You've got to think about those things. Now, listen, I know we all can get tongue-tied and we can all kind of trip over our words. And usually it happens when you're trying to invite somebody to church. Um, but, but if you practice these things, they matter. It matters. Your first impression it matters. Introduce yourself, introduce the person you're with, clearly give the church name, make sure that your greeting is natural, it's, com- it's confident, it'd be complimentary and make a positive comment about their home or their car or their garden. And if you can't, you know, think of anything, just be nice, have a good countenance. If they have children, compliments about kids go a long way in disarming people. You know, I've, if they have a dog, if you know anything about dogs and or they're flying a flag that represents their favorite school. And, 
or their favorite team. Just find something to relate with. This is just basics. You know, this is basic conversation 101. If you have a question and you ask them a question, uh, listen to their answer. Uh, you, you know people that when they, they ask a question, you're giving them the answer. They're not listening to your answer. They're just waiting for you to stop talking so they can ask you the next question. You know, so that's, that's kind of, don't be that way. And this is how you relate to people. It, uh, find out their name, use their name. And part of relating is just being aware. If, you know, if you catch somebody um, on the phone, it may not be a great time to just force the gospel in. If you catch them and they've got, and they're in the middle of a, of a meal, be aware of that. You know, it, plant a seed that's positive so that somebody else can come back. Timing sometimes is everything. Consider those, are they distracted? I, I mean, if it's, des, if it's desirable, if it's a good time, if it's possible, move forward. But if, they, if they're clearly busy, you know, be mindful. Uh, are, they, are they sober? You know, these are things that you have to be aware of while, while you're watching them. The chances are, if they're not in their right mind, uh, they're not going to be able to hear the gospel message and understand it clearly. Right. Are they agreeable? Read the room. I wish there was a Bible verse that said, read the room. <laughs> be aware. You know, I, you can usually, if you're paying attention, you can read body language. You can read social cues and you can be aware. And sometimes this is where a partner comes in. To help you, but if they appear agitated or annoyed or impatient, it may not be the right time. Um, are, they, are they alone? If they've got a house full of people and they're obviously hosting a large event, come back at a different time. I mean, the chances of them being honest with you wouldn't be very, probably very high if their family is sitting in the living room listening to the conversation. Just be mindful of these things. Witnessing, uh, what we, we need to understand is that witnessing is about building bridges and planting seeds. It's about building bridges and planting seeds. And relating is a wonderful way to build a bridge and begin a conversation with somebody that could lead to spiritual things. Building a bridge means that you're able to bring up things like the weather and, and cars and a garden and sports and colleges and children and pets and whatever. And, and, and just have a conversation with somebody. I, I, this has probably happened to you. It's happened to me where, where the, the first time you meet somebody, you don't necessarily always just win them to Jesus Christ the first time. I, I mean, I've worked on people for a long time before they got saved and probably you have too. And it's not just about the moment, this moment right now. Now, listen, I know there's urgency, but sometimes you're there just to plant a seed. Sometimes you're there just to leave the door open. You're there just to help the bridge be built a little bit stronger because it may not be the right time, uh, but with the right time, if it's coming, then they'll be open because you've helped leave the door open. You're planting seeds. If the conversation, even if it doesn't lead to spiritual things, consider that you've, pl you've planted a positive seed in their mind and leave the door open for the next person that comes along and knocks on that door because it could be somebody else from Eastside in a few months. And their impression of Eastside is positive because of the way that you left it. So relate. That's the first thing Jesus does. He, he relates and asks for water. And we know that his intention was to take this further, but that's how he started. But second is create. Relate and then create. Look at verse 8. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. 
Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So Christ creates this opportunity to mention the things of God. And he says, if you knew who you're talking to, uh, if you knew the gift of God, then you would be saying to me, give me to drink. And it's a deliberate mention of something spiritual. After he relates to the woman at the well, he deliberately creates an opportunity to turn the conversation from something physical like water to something spiritual like the gift of God and living water. And this step in the conversation is very important, folks. It'll reveal whether or not somebody's ready or willing to hear and move forward. And in my opinion, the best way to create an opportunity, a very, very good way to create an opportunity is to to transition to spiritual things, is to ask them about their church family. I mean, you're, you're representing Eastside Baptist Church. You've got a track that says Eastside Baptist Church. And, and that's, that's, not as, that's more disarming than some other questions you could ask. It, it, it's an entry-level question uh, to ask about their church home. It's an easy question to answer. It gives them insight maybe into some things that they believe, their background. You could ask, well, what I like to ask is, do you have a church home that you attend? A lot of times you say, do you have a church home? And they haven't been in 12 years. So I would say, do you have a church home that you attend? And if they say yes, then you just ask what church it is. That give, be complimentary about their choice to attend church. You can ask other questions about their church and things like that. But, but, but really what you're doing is not just about church in that moment. Your, your responsibility, your desire is to take that to a different level and start asking them a more important spiritual question. The way that I transition in this case is even more important than church, something like that, a transitional phrase, even more important than church than where you go to church is the matter of eternity and what happens to you after you die. Could I ask you a spiritual question? You know, at this point, then, if they say yes, you can, you can move forward. And one great way to do that is, is to give them a scenario. And the scenario that, that I have used very often, if they give permission to ask a spiritual question, is let's imagine that something happened to us and, and, and we die and, and we go to heaven and we're, we're standing at the gates of heaven together and we're, we're just looking at the city and it's just in this incredible, beautiful place and we're standing there and as we're standing there, um, and again, this is all speculation, you know, let's say that Jesus comes and, and he comes and talks to us directly and he says, uh, it's great to see you here right now. But let me ask you a question. Why should I let you into heaven? So then you would say to that person, what would you say to Jesus? And, the re- you know, the reason I think that this is a good question to ask is if you say, are you 100% for sure that you're going to go to heaven when they die? And they say, yes. They haven't told you why. They haven't given you any indication of what they believe. And then you're kind of coming back to try to figure out why they said yes and without having any answers. And, and so you have to be careful. I, would, I try to avoid yes or no questions and, and try to have them give me a reason. So if you're standing there, you could do the short version. Let's say that, that you died this week and you're standing in the gates of heaven. And Jesus asked, why should I let you in? What would you tell him? 
You know, and then the wheels start to turn. If you've ever been in that situation, you see this start to happen in people's minds and their, 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 their will is turning and they're trying to figure out what to say. And I mean, now if they give the correct answer, that's be excited. If they talk about, well, I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ and he's saved me from my sins and I know I'm going to heaven when I die, be excited about that. I mean, just because they come from a different church than what we are doesn't mean that, that nobody outside of Eastside can be saved. There, there are people that are saved out there, and I'm thankful there are other people that know Jesus Christ. Um, but if they say, well, I'm just not sure what I would say, then you would then proceed to the next part of it. If they give an incorrect answer, be tactful. You know, we'll use, let's just use church attendance. A lot of people will say when you ask them, you know, uh, if, why should you, Jesus is that? If he asks you, why should I let you in? They might say something like, well, you know, I go to church on Sundays. And honestly, that's better than most people. And I'm thankful they go to church on Sundays. It's a good choice to go to church and take your kids to Sunday school. And I would say something like, we do that very thing in our home. However, church attendance and religion in themselves have never provided salvation to anyone. And at this point, you can attempt to proceed to the next step, but make sure you get permission. It's always good to get permission rather than just kind of force your way in, get permission. But this point in the conversation is very important that their answer will determine what direction that you go after this. If, If the person acts impatient or irritated or they look at their watch or they're trying to move on, then maybe you just say it's time to to plant the seed and move on. Leave something positive here at the door with them. If they give you permission, then you can move forward. But it, it can be disappointing because there are times where you think, okay, this person, they're ready. They're ready for it. And then they kind of just shut you down in the middle of it. And it is disappointing, but you're planting a seed. Leave a good impression and present the gospel later. Be ready for somebody else maybe to come along. You know, listen, God has to initiate the process of salvation. In John 6, um, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. So if we try to leave God out of the process, the Holy Spirit out of the process, and we think it's a matter of how we present the gospel um, then, then we're, we're leaving out the most important piece. If they have an open heart, the Holy Spirit's working, that's great. If not, they won't be able to grasp the truth anyway because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God as we've already looked. God has to do the work. Let him. If it requires patience, be patient. And a certain woman, Acts 6, named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended under the things which are spoken of of Paul. We have to let God be involved in the process. If the person has an open heart, then move on to the next step. And we'll look at that more next time. Create or relate, create, then convict. But for tonight, I just want to... Stop here and, and, and ask you some questions. It's hard to know how to wrap up a message like this. But I do believe there's enough here to bring us to a decision point if you're thinking. See, listen, how faithful have you been as a steward of the gospel? See, we're talking about relating. We're talking about creating opportunities to talk about spiritual things. How faithful have you been at these things? How faithful have you been as a steward? Because God's given you a gift. 
And he's given me a gift and, and I have more resource. We have more resources than just about any other generation has ever had in front of us. But how are we as stewards? If you haven't been a steward of the gospel, does that mean our culture doesn't need it? I, I mean, you can answer that. Does it mean our culture doesn't need it? Well, no. If you haven't been a steward of the gospel, does the fact that you haven't been, is, um, does that mean that the Great Commission doesn't apply to you? If you haven't been um, consistent, um, does that mean you haven't benefited from the gospel? Well, I believe it's clear. Every one of us has a responsibility to be involved as witnesses engaged in Great Commission work and pursuing souls. How faithful have you been? Because listen, we can go through all of these steps, all that we want, but if God doesn't do a work in our heart to love people, it's head knowledge. And remember what we've been talking about in James on Sundays is that if you hear but you don't do, what's the result of that? You're deceived. So how faithful have you been? This is convicting to me too. How prepared would you be to present the gospel clearly if you were given an opportunity tonight? Many of us have been saved for a good amount of time. Does your knowledge of the gospel equal the duration of your Christian life? Meaning, you know, in school they used to give these tests and I used to not look forward to those those SAT tests or whatever they would give. And they would give you these tests to determine if you were at your grade level or not. Remember those? And everyone, I, everyone stress out about those. You know, I, you know, you don't want to be in fifth grade and have like a second grade, like math level. Well, you know, if we were to give a test, one of those kind of tests to find out where you are in terms of the gospel. Okay, because as a Christian, if you've been saved for 30 years, you should be testing at a certain level. But I would venture to say there are pl plenty of Christians who've been saved for quite a while that would test well below their level when it comes to the gospel. Meaning, they've been saved this long, but if, when it comes to presenting the gospel, their gospel knowledge would be way down here somewhere. Where would you test? I mean, we're not gonna, there's not going to be a test, but if there was, where would you test uh, in comparison to how long you've been saved? And see, here's the thing. There could be a test tonight. You, there could be a test at Walmart tonight. And there could be somebody that needs the gospel. And God, their whole life has been working them, uh, has the, you know, kind of protecting them and watching them. And he, you've been doing your thing. And, and tonight, there could be a, a woman at the well moment. And you just happen to cross paths for the first and only time in your life and their life and maybe the only time you'll ever see them and it could be that God brought you together in that divine moment that woman at the well was there at that time that person at Walmart is there at time or Taco John's or wherever you frequent Taco Bell you know would be the highest standard of fast food Mexican food you know it's a joke okay so but but honestly though those people are there maybe the one time and maybe this is God's time for you to talk to them. There is a test coming. And if, you're, if you don't test on your grade level, you may miss an opportunity because you don't have the confidence to give somebody the gospel. And what happens to them? You think that somebody else 
I mean, in this culture, what are the chances that somebody else that knows the Lord and knows the gospel and has a love for God and people is going to cross their paths and tell them about Jesus? I mean, the chances now are much lower than it used to be. So if we're going to talk about testing, where do you test in comparison to your, your age level? You've been saved for any length of time. Honestly, if you've been saved for any length of time at all, short or long, you ought to be able to present the gospel to somebody. We have no excuse. We have God's word. We have his power. We have the great commission. We have resources available. And I'm just asking you tonight, uh, why, aren't we, why aren't we more passionate? I'm asking myself, why am I not more passionate? I'm asking you, why are we not more involved? How willing are you to be involved in that which would be considered Eastside Baptist Church's most significant mission? The Great Commission. See, for most of us, it's time to say, you know what, it's time. It's time for me to get involved in that which I am called to do as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not about a church program as much as it is about a heart for people to experience that which I've been blessed to experience. Through Jesus Christ. If I received it, why wouldn't I give it? If you've gotten it, why don't you give it? If you're going to give it, why don't you give it well? If you've gotten it, why don't you give it? But if, you've, if you're going to give it, let's give it well. And let's maybe pattern some of these things after Jesus... Now, I'm going to work at relating to people. I'm going to work at creating opportunities to tell them about the gospel. Uh, I'm going to work at transitioning over into conviction of sin so that they know they're lost before I can reveal, finally, that Jesus Christ is Savior. Have a plan. Be ready to tell the gospel because you don't know when your test is coming. You don't know when God's going to bring somebody along in a divine appointment kind of moment. And if you're not ready for it, who knows what happens to them after. If someone had approached you in that way, would you be saved today? The way that you view other souls, the way that you view other people, if somebody in your life had, been, had that attitude about it, would you be saved today? These are all questions we've got to be confronted with. And as we come into a season, and I believe God wants to bless our church. I don't want to miss it. I believe that we are at a time, an important crossroad. At a point where God could really start to do some great things at Eastside Baptist Church. He's already doing great things in people's lives. But it's time for us then to have an impact on our community. And listen, I don't want to miss it. And if it does happen, I also don't want to miss being a part of it. I want to be involved in it. Do you? Let's stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How's your heart for people? How's your heart to give the gospel to those who've never maybe ever heard? How's your heart to to speak to that person who you may only have one moment, one opportunity to talk to? How's your heart for the Great Commission? How's your heart for giving what what you've received? How passionate are you about the lost people in your neighborhood? 
how much do you pray for the people in your, at your workplace? When's the last time that you, that you had a burden enough to weep over a soul that God brought in your path? Listen, these are all convicting questions and ones that we need to be confronted with as a church. Because it's time for, for us to take some steps in these areas. And I, I think that God is ready and preparing, preparing us for a season. And I hope that you'll be involved in it. Let's pray and ask God to convict us and help us tonight. Father, we pray for your spirit to work in us. And again, I know it's a more of an instructional type of message, but the challenge is not lost on me. Lord, in my own heart, Lord, I'm convicted about the need for those that I come across to hear the gospel and how many times I have not given it when I should have. How many times I walked by a soul without thinking about where they spend eternity. God, help us to, to consider what we've received and if, we're go, if we've received it, Lord, help us to be, to be passionate about giving it. And not just about giving it, but giving it well. God, I pray that we would be people that are willing to take the gospel to those that we are around. God, use this message, use the truth tonight to give us, to, to give us a charge this evening, to convict us about taking some steps in these areas. I pray that you work in your people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.